May the words that I speak now and the thoughts and the feelings that we all now experience be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I generally have a discipline as a preacher that I will work with the readings that are set in the lectionary for the day. I do that because otherwise the temptation is to pass over and avoid dealing with the tricky bits of the Bible. The temptation was great today. That is one of the tricky bits of the New Testament. Tricky for all sorts of reasons. I decided not to pass it over, partly because it might also be topical in that the, in the Vatican today is the opening of the Roman Catholic Church's Synod on the Family, part two, part one was a year ago. And my friend and colleague and successor in the, my appointment in Rome, Tim McQuiven, is representing the World Methodist Family of Churches at that. And when I was talking to him the other day, he was trying to work out when he makes his three-minute speech to the whole synod, what on earth is he going to talk about? We could have an interesting conversation about what advice you would give him. And against that, let's listen carefully and think carefully about the reading that we just heard. Pharisees come to Jesus and they're trying to catch him out. They put a question to him that was troubling people at the time, which is, <coughs> in the light of changing circumstances, people who are now living in a culture which was very different to the culture in which Moses had received and written down the law, what should family relationships and arrangements look like for a people who are no longer nomadic, but are settled in cities and towns, for a people in a different economy, and in this case, for a people living in a much more multicultural world and actually under foreign oppression, under oppression in the Roman Empire. And we know that the rabbis and other religious leaders of the time, and particularly the Pharisees, were deeply exercised by this and were making contemporary rulings about such things. So they want to drag Jesus into that sort of dispute. And so they put the question to him, is it lawful, and they probably mean in terms of God's law, is it, because they didn't make a distinction <laughs> between secular law and God's law, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Notice absolutely nothing about whether a woman can divorce mm -hmm. her husband. That tells you something about the culture mm -hmm. of the time. Women couldn't divorce their husbands because women were property. <laughs> Handed over from one male patriarch to another. And Jesus says, what did Moses command you? Now, of course, the 
people who believe that what you find in the Old Testament is words that Moses actually spoke, written down, he's actually saying, well, what's in the law? What does it say? And they point out that it does, as it does indeed say in the Old Testament, that in some circumstances a man can divorce a wife by writing a certificate of dismissal. I've had enough of you, I don't want you, go away. Go back to your family. Notice all the implications of that about human relationships. Not quite marriage as we know it. And Jesus then says two very interesting things. One, he says that that dispensation in the law is because of human hardness of heart. In other words, that possibility in the law is because human beings have a tendency to be sinful and can actually mess things up and human societies can mess things up and so there is this dispensation from things to actually make something good out of a shocking situation. Then Jesus goes on to talk about what God's intention is. And God's intention is that human beings should come together and where they choose to marry, they should marry, and that should be it. That should be a lifelong relationship and commitment. That is God's intention. And Jesus goes back to the early chapters of Genesis, which are, from a Jewish understanding, part of the law. They're part of the Torah. He goes back to the early parts and quotes, the two shall no longer be two, but shall become one flesh. And he summarises that with what God's joined together. Let no human being separate. That's the intention. And he goes on to point out what the intention is. And he then, in very Jewish way, makes it immensely graphic. So there's a sense that if someone divorces and remarries, they're actually going way against the intention of God's will and are actually, in a sense, it's as if they were committing adultery. That's really making the point hard, that, in a hard way, that God's intention is very different to some current practices of his time and of ours. Notice, however, what people very rarely notice is Jesus never says, therefore, the dispensation for hardness of heart is abolished. He doesn't say that. He's talking about what the intention is. But human beings still get in a mess and there need to be ways of letting people out of the mess to avoid causing huge damage in relationships and to enable people to make new starts. What Jesus is speaking against, forgetting the intention. If making relationships becomes a matter of making financial relationships, of simply looking after our best interests, of not being committed to something that's lifelong, 
that's getting it very wrong. And what the rabbis were starting to do was to assume that it was perfectly okay. That blow the intention. We can say, and you only need to look at America, that most religious country, and look at its divorce rates to see how, rather than just a dispensation to deal with impossible situations, the idea that marriages are not lifelong and can simply be moved in and out of takes hold. And Jesus is pointing fingers somewhere as well because this passage occurs in the middle of a series of passages where the disciples have been arguing about who is the most important of them, who are the boss disciples and who are the also-ran disciples. And he keeps saying to them things like, the people you treat as not important, you actually need to serve as the most important rather than being worried about your own status. And he takes a child who was considered to have no rights or values at the time at all, place them this and says, you need to serve the child if you wish to be a follower of mine. And he deals with a question about the disciples then say, and we saw someone doing your work, but not in our group, not answerable to us. And again, they're playing the same game of wishing to be the power wheels among the disciples. And he says, if someone's doing the will of God, let them do it. And now he's answering this question, and he's saying to them, he's saying to his disciples, don't think that being, myself, is about actually being able to sort out other people's lives, setting regulations for them, being judgmental about them. We need, in order to try and live more closely with the intention of God in things, to become accepting like little children. Disciples of Jesus are not bosses who can tell the world what to do. They're servants of the world. And it'll be interesting to see whether the Roman Catholic Synod can follow what seems to be the example of the current Pope in becoming much more pastorally focused on people and servants of people in their need rather than judges who make people feel like rubbish and treat them as rubbish by being judgmental. And being judgmental <coughs> about the mess people get into in their lives is not just a Catholic fault. Protestants have been very good at it over the centuries as well. Amen.